And now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards. Greetings from the near frontier. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool here on the Blaze Podcast Network. My name is Cam Edwards. I am flying solo this week. Miss he's doing okay. Uh, in fact, I, I don't know. Uh, she sounds better than I do this week, but I think I'm probably feeling a little bit better than uh, than she is. Doing okay. Um, but the chief side effect so far of the um, trial drugs that she's on uh, seem to be feeling kind of barfy and just kind of off. So we're about a week and a half in uh, from the first treatment. So about another week and a half to go. And, uh, you know, if there, I don't think there's been any real change today. She just started feeling really kind of crummy about 4.30 this afternoon and uh, had to go lay down. That's been the first time that that's happened. So I don't know if it was a eating thing or a lack of eating thing. Um, but anyway, she's resting up uh, as I record the podcast this week. And hopefully she'll be feeling up to join me next week. Uh, here on 40 Acres and a Fool. Hope that you have had a great week since we've last had a chance to visit. It's been pretty quiet and uneventful uh, here on the 40 Acres. Everything still growing well. Uh, we did have one departure, actually, from the uh, 40 Acres this week. It was this past weekend. Uh, Miss E actually got a call. I thought this was really sweet. She got a call from one of her old nurses uh, in Farmville because, you know, she's now in uh, Charlottesville for treatment. And so one of the old nurses just called to check on her and see how she was doing. Um, and they were chatting and, uh, you know, had a, a conversation. Some other conversation turned to goats. And we had been thinking about selling Chico, our buck. Um, he's been great to us over the past couple of years, but right now he's having to live by himself. Uh, we can't have him around the, the moms and the little babies. So Chico is a little lonely and the uh, nurse uh, offered to buy Chico from us. So Saturday, uh, the nurse and her husband uh, drove up and uh, got a chance to hang out for a little bit. And Chico is now in greener pastures and he's got some new girlfriends and uh, I've been told that he's settled in extraordinarily well. Uh, and the new owner did say that if we ever need him for stud services, that we can borrow him uh, for a week or two. So I, I feel good about that. So, you know, Chico's it, it, it's, you know, I'll be really honest with you. I don't miss Chico that much. He was a cool goat. I much prefer female goats to, to bucks. Bucks are gross. Bucks are pretty disgusting. Bucks will pee on them, themselves, uh, pee on their heads specifically, uh, and that's their sort of cologne. And then they love to rub up against you, and it's just nasty. It's nasty. So uh, I'm glad that Chico's enjoying himself. Meanwhile, we've got still, uh, what, eight adorable baby goats who are still bouncing and romping around. Now, I know that the last time we were on the podcast, we were talking about whether or not milking was going to be a thing. And I, I would guess, if I had to guess right now, uh, I would guess that milking is probably not 
going to be a thing this year. I, I can't guarantee that, but you know, so it's it's been the weather here this week has been kind of crazy. Uh, it started out, we had a cold front come through. It was like sixty four degrees at the start of the week. Tomorrow it's supposed to be ninety, and in the two week forecast. Uh, I think the uh, coldest, uh, the the low is during the day is like 88 degrees. So you're looking at, uh, you know, 90 degree heat and it's humidity. And I don't know that Missy is, I, I well, I, 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 I don't think that Missy is going to be up to milking, you know, six, five um, moms in the 90 degree heat. Uh, even if I'm able to help out, I'm not always going to be able to be here. And that's something that you kind of, I mean, you really have to commit to. So I'm, I'm guessing that, um, we're probably going to be foregoing goat's milk and, uh, goat's cheese again this year. And I know that that's going to upset Missy if it comes to it. So I haven't brought it up. We haven't talked about it. We've just sort of let that go by the wayside at the moment. Um, but everybody else is doing great. We haven't lost any chickens. We're getting almost a dozen eggs. We've got 10 hens. We're getting anywhere from eight to 10 eggs a day, uh, which is more than we can eat. So our friends love us because we're, we're like the Santa Claus of free range chicken eggs right now. Every time we show up, we've got a dozen eggs for somebody. In fact, I'm uh, heading into Farmville tomorrow and I've got two 18 count uh, egg crates full up from uh, of eggs that uh, we're going to be giving out to friends. So that's great. We've got a great bounty going on there. Um, the gardens are growing well. We still don't have any peppers in the ground ground, although the plan is to actually transplant at least some of the peppers from the greenhouse to the actual garden this weekend. They are, are surprisingly, they're way better than they were a few weeks ago. I thought we were going to be pepper free. Because these were so scrawny and sickly looking, and they just didn't seem to be going. But I don't know. Something happened. Maybe there was the shift in the weather. Maybe it was just a little bit warmer. But all of a sudden, it, their, their growth spurts uh, have kicked in. And we've got quite a few peppers. I would not, not, certainly there were some that just never grew and the seeds had clearly uh, gotten too old but uh we've got a pretty healthy crop actually i'm i'm pretty excited about that the uh, tomatoes are growing great i don't think we lost a single plant when we transplanted these tomatoes they are all still growing i i've noticed a couple of them are kind of lagging behind but um they're not dead uh and everything's you know shooting up straight we uh probably gonna need to put up some floor defenses here and i'm guessing probably two weeks they're gonna be big enough that we'll need to actually start to uh kind of you know provide that that support for the plants they'll be big enough for that uh meanwhile the uh carrots are you know they're still small but they're they're growing uh i did thin out our beets because we had some really big uh beet leaves and so i was like all right i want to see what a couple of these look like uh big leaves small beets at the moment so they're still growing and still have a few weeks to go and uh i think yeah i think that kind of gets us caught up on the uh, the cucumbers are still uh still doing well but they they haven't started you know vining up yet we're not quite to that stage so still got a couple of months before we'll have any cucumbers for pickling and for eating but so far everything is on track and i'm okay with that it's good to at least have 
stuff on track as opposed to uh, where we were this time of last year. As you can tell, the uh, allergies and pollen still pretty bad uh, here in Central Virginia right now. I, I was I was sick for about two weeks, started feeling better a few days ago, and didn't get back to 100%. I got back to probably about 85%, and I've sort of stalled out. And I think the 15% uh, is the uh, the pollen and the, uh, the the allergies kicking in, and I just haven't quite been able to shake the scratchy, hoarse uh, throat and the uh, kind of nasally sound. I, I as I'm recording this, it's the uh, I believe the fiftieth. No, no, it's not the fiftieth. It's the fifty third uh, anniversary of the release of Bob Dylan's Blonde on Blonde. And I'm kind of sounding a little, at least in my mind, a little uh, Dylan-esque. Perhaps not in terms of, uh, you know, word poetry or anything like that, but just in terms of the, hey, the little nasal sound. <clears throat> so hopefully that changes too over the next few days. So I saw an article this week that I have to say really, really bummed me out uh, because I don't have any easy rebuttals to it. It's at a website called The Conversation. Uh, and the, uh, this is by David Swinson, who's Associate Scientist of Economics at Iowa State University. Uh, and the uh, headline reads, Most of America's rural areas are doomed to decline. I, I, I don't like headlines that say uh, America's rural areas are doomed to do anything. But as I said... I don't have any real easy rebuttals here. David Swinson says the facts are clear and unarguable. Most of the nation's smaller urban and rural counties are not growing and will not grow. He says, um, according to U.S. Commerce Department data, uh, between 2008, which was the cusp of the Great Recession, and 2017, metropolitan areas with central cities of at least 50,000 uh, enjoyed nearly 99% of all job and population growth. He says what remained of job and population growth was divided among the 21% of counties that are called micropolitans, which have mid-sized cities with between 10,000 and 50,000 residents, and the remaining 42% of counties that are rural. He says nationally, 71% of all metropolitan counties grew between 2008 and 2017, but more than half of the remaining micropolitan and rural counties did not grow or shrank in population. What's interesting is when you look at this map, um, you can see where the country is sort of uh, hollowing out. So east of the Mississippi, you're looking at pretty broad swaths of the Midwest that are losing population. In fact, kind of all along uh, the Mississippi River, you can see these counties that have lost population between 2008 and uh, 2017. In the um, Midwest, uh, eastern part of uh, North and South Dakota, losing population. Uh, most of Nebraska, with the exception of central Nebraska, losing population. Most of Kansas, with the exception of uh, counties around Kansas City. And then a couple of counties in the southwestern part of the state, uh, losing population. Eastern Oklahoma, 
uh, far southwestern Oklahoma, losing population. Uh, even in Texas, you know, counties that are sort of to the northwest of uh, Dallas-Fort Worth, not quite into the panhandle, although there are a couple of counties in the panhandle that have lost population as well, but but uh, that sort of north-central part of Texas uh, losing population as well. And then the farther west you go, uh, eastern Oregon, uh, a lot of uh, uh, rural Nevada, northern, far northern California, a couple of pockets in uh, eastern Idaho that have lost a population over the last 10 years. Those, those types of rural areas. What's interesting to me is that east of the Mississippi, so, you know, there, there are a lot of counties in Michigan, uh, Ohio, Indiana, uh, western Pennsylvania, um, New York, with the exception of New York City. Uh, southern Vermont, northern New Hampshire, uh, most of Maine. And in West Virginia and Virginia, it's the it's sort of the Appalachian region. Uh, and then in the south, southeastern Arkansas, northeastern Mississippi, uh, southwest Alabama, sort of the uh, southern tier, the southern third maybe of uh, the state of Georgia, all losing population. These are, again, um, rural areas. They don't have big cities that are, are close to them. Now, what gives me some hope is that there are, I think, rural places to be found that are gaining ground. Uh, not every county that uh, you know saw population gain has a big city attached to it or even close by. You know, I start this program off every week with greetings from the near frontier and to me the near frontier is is two things one we don't live in the old west we don't live in a day and age i'm not off the grid right so this is not the true frontier this is the near frontier we've uh, we've got we've got most of the things that you need in fact we've got everything that you need uh, it just might be a little out of date, right? So we've got internet. It's just dial-up internet. <laughs> we've got uh, running water. Probably comes from a well. Uh, we've got our electricity, right? That actually works just fine. We're, we're, not, we're not deprived uh, of anything, I don't want to, you know, make it sound like we're out here in a sod house and we've got all these privations. No, you know, this is <laughs> this is the near frontier, a a near facsimile uh, to the uh, to the front, excuse me, to the frontier of old. But on another level, it's the near frontier because it is near, if not directly adjacent to suburban and urban environments. So where Miss E and I live, we're roughly an hour away from Richmond, Virginia. We're roughly an hour away from Lynchburg, Virginia. We're a little bit more than an hour away from Charlottesville, Virginia. Now, an hour is not nothing, but we're within, you know, let's say 65 miles of three pretty good size areas, uh, certainly Richmond, and the uh, surrounding area, that, that, that's a metropolitan area. Lynchburg, I think, is around 80,000. Charlottesville, I think, is around 50,000. So those are, you know, pretty good places. And again, 
we're an hour away. Uh, would I want to make that hour-long commute each and every day? No. Could I? Yeah. Are there people who live in places like Washington, D.C. Or, or work in places like Washington, D.C. that have commutes that are twice as long? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I know plenty of people who live in L.A., uh, live in North Jersey and work in New York City, live in Northern Virginia or Maryland and work in the D.C. area who would be happy to reduce their commute to an hour. So when I think about the near frontier and the future of uh, rural communities, I, I think that there is hope for those rural counties that truly are uh, on the near frontier. And I'll give you two reasons why I think over the next decade, we actually could see a resurgence in the livability factor uh, of the near frontier. One is uh, self-driving vehicles. I've already said on this program before, I'm not a fan of self-driving vehicles. I don't want one. I, they just don't appeal to me. Uh, I, I like driving myself, but not everybody's me. And if you have, let's say, a 60 to 75 mile uh, commute and you can't do anything but pay attention to the road on those 60 to 75 miles, that's a lot different than you sitting in your autonomous vehicle uh, and being able to get work done, right? Um, while you're driving into the office 75 miles away. So I think that as autonomous vehicles and self-driving vehicles come online, it pushes out the boundaries of where we can live uh, from, you know, urban areas to the suburbs and now suburbs, I think, even to the exurbs and rural areas. It just makes those spaces a lot more livable. The other potentially revolutionary thing that um, I think could greatly improve the livability of rural areas is uh, broadband Internet. And that's that that's that's a real key if you're trying to you know, build a telecommuting society. Uh, and if you're a rural county that's trying to attract telecommuters and not, by the way, when I say rural counties, I don't just mean, you know, small farms and things of that nature. I also include small towns in, in that description, because I know a lot of small towns between Farmville and Washington, D.C. are growing smaller uh, as well as the, you know, surrounding countryside emptying out. So, you know, little tiny towns uh, between Farmville and D.C., like Palmyra, Virginia, or Gordonsville, Virginia, or Orange, Virginia. You know, already those are places where if you live in town, you've probably got pretty decent Internet. If you live outside of town, you probably don't. Um, and the idea that you could bring that, you know, true high speed Internet uh, to rural locations and to small towns, I think does make those spaces uh, a, a lot more livable, particularly for those who who can telecommute. Uh, so Elon Musk has this plan. We'll see if it comes to fruition. It's called Starlink. Uh, and the idea is to launch about 12,000 mini satellites uh, into space. They're launching the first 60 of them now. And they will create this uh, network, basically, of, of high-speed internet um, designed to uh, uh, be faster than 50% faster than is physically possible using existing fiber optic cables. 
So that's pretty darn fast. And if you could have internet that fast in the middle of nowhere, well, if your job is a job that is, you know, internet dependent, you can now do your job anywhere. And I think that can be a, a game changer and a difference maker. Now, look, I, I realize there are lots of Americans who have no desire to live in the country. They have no desire to live in a small town. But I think that that's likely to change, too. As cities like Seattle and San Francisco, Baltimore and others turn into, uh, you know, pretty nasty places, I think there is a natural desire to escape. Cost of living is a lot lower in rural areas than it is in, you know, big urban areas. That's attractive, particularly to young Americans who are just starting out. And so I think that there is a space for rural areas, despite the, uh, you know, the population loss that we've seen over the past decade. I, I agree with the author of this piece of the conversation that we're not likely to see a lot of manufacturing jobs come back to these areas. You know, um, not far from Farmville, if you head southwest, you start getting into a region of Virginia that even 30 years ago was relatively bustling with manufacturing jobs, uh, furniture factories. You had uh, uh, clothing mills. Um, and these are all gone now, all gone. And the economies of a lot of these small towns have not just been hollowed out, but I mean, they've been utterly obliterated. And, and, and those factories, in most cases, are not going to reopen again. I, I, I do believe that. So to me, the challenge is then if those jobs aren't coming back, what type of jobs can you attract to rural America? And again, that's where I think technology and technological advancements can really help uh, those areas of the country in the not too distant future. I mean, really, honestly, in the immediate future, I think we'll be able to see some of those advancements. But I would love to hear from you. This is the question of the week. Are small towns and rural spaces doomed? Why or why not? I would love to hear your thoughts on what you think the future of uh, rural America and small town America is. Let's say over the next 20 years or so. Email address is 40acrefool at gmail.com. Uh, you can tweet at me at Cam Edwards. You can follow Miss E, by the way, on Instagram at Corny Goat Farm. You can follow me on Instagram at Cam Edwards as well, but she's way better about uh, keeping up. And uh, Corny Goat Farm on Facebook as well. We, uh, I, I think, are still doing some stuff on the Facebooks there. I, I really would love to get your thoughts, whether you, no matter where you live uh, right now, I, I would love to know what you think about the future of non-metropolitan America. Maybe that's the best way to put it. Outside of the metropolitan areas, what does the future look like for these spaces? I, I, I will not give up hope. I, I will remain optimistic. I might be wearing rose-colored glasses, but I will remain optimistic. All right, so we've got some emails to get to. My voice is also starting to turn a little more Peter Brady-esque here as the podcast continues, so I should probably start to wrap this up a little bit uh, michael riding in a few days ago from uh, manchester michigan 18 years the uh, subject line 
He says, happy spring, Miss Ian Cam. Today, which is now a few days ago, marks 18 years of marriage for my wife and I. We celebrated by sleeping in. This will be really wanted. We're going to a bonfire later. I got her assured it's all good. We're at the don't spend a lot of money, just make it meaningful stage of gift giving. Well, happy anniversary to both of you, Michael. I'm so glad that you got a chance to spend it together. And I get it. You know, it's funny when Missy and I turned uh, 20, when we had our 20th anniversary, I wanted to have uh, a big party. And I wanted to invite all of our friends and I wanted to find you know solar lights to hang in the trees in the backyard and i wanted to have just a big outdoor event we got married outside in, in early august and I, I wanted to do something like that and we started thinking about the plan and we started thinking about the cost and then we realized like nah it's okay we don't really need to do that and then we went out to dinner i'm with you it's 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 not about the gifts at this point because honestly you know every day we're together is a gift and now, to me, the anniversaries really are just about spending that quality time together. Mike says there's also another uh, ulterior motive for not spending a lot on anniversary presents this year. He says the boy who turns 13, uh, turns 13 probably the day this podcast gets posted. So happy birthday, young man. Uh, well into shotgun shooting season and ammo isn't cheap when you have to buy hundreds of shells each week. Yeah, no kidding. I'm trying to work out how to get him to the Scholastic Clay Target Program National Championship at the Cardinal Shooting Center in Marengo, Ohio in July. He says the bummer with that is that it is held the same week as the Manchester, Michigan Chicken Broil. Can't do both. And he says volunteering at the, at the broil provides a lot of money for his scout account, so it'll cost us more than it seems to go to a Marengo. But as you say, live in the moment. He will only have so many chances to shoot at the championships. It'll be a great week of memories. And Mike says, I did save money by replacing the brakes and rotors on our car myself. I'm far from a gearhead, but it wasn't all that hard, thanks to YouTube. And I even rotated the tires while I was at it. The only problem was some cross-threaded lug nuts on the last tire. By the way, that sounds like a, a great insult, doesn't it? You cross-headed lug nut. Uh, cross-threaded lug nut, sorry. <clears throat> and a, a screw that I ended up having, uh, ended up shearing off, Michael says. Uh, just uh, It wasn't crucial, says, just to help line up the rotor, really. Yeah, some of those screws are optional i think <clears throat> not the greatest feat of car maintenance ever but a big step up for a guy who used to pay someone else to change his oil every time you know and and mike good for you man that's awesome and and you know you mentioned youtube and that's one of the great uh, small d democratic things about the internet i've got a lot of complaints about youtube and i've got a lot of complaints about google and big corporations but the fact that it is so much easier to share information and not just crap information, not just the, you know, the, the fake news and the uh, crazy conspiracy stories, but actual useful information. The fact that it is so easier, so much easier to share useful information, uh, I think is a huge advancement for, for all of humanity because it allows, as you say, someone who used to pay to change their oil to now being able to replace the brakes and the rotors on their car. I think that's awesome, Mike, and congratulations, man. Mike says, we're very happy that Missy is in the trial. Prayers for a successful outcome from all of us. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Michael, and look forward to talking to you again soon. Mark, uh, writing, actually, and having a conversation with uh, Missy there at uh, 40 So I'm not going to 
read any of those emails on the air. Hey, no, that's fine. It's fine. Just, you know, a little chit chat about how Mark found the podcast was a fan of uh, Cam and company. I appreciate that. Mark, Mark in uh, New Orleans. Uh, let's see. Aaron in Nebraska wishing uh, Missy a happy Mother's Day. And thank you, Aaron. She did have a happy Mother's Day. Actually, we didn't talk about that. So it started out, um, I thought, pretty good. She got to sleep in. I knew that she had wanted um, some fried potatoes and eggs uh, for her Mother's Day breakfast. So I got up in the morning. She, she doesn't want me to cook it, by the way. She, but she needed some ingredients. So I went to the store, got up, let her sleep in, uh, got the potatoes, came back. Unfortunately, my stomach was kind of hurting. So she made breakfast. And as it turns out, like nobody was hungry except for her. So I come out uh, and she's sitting at the dining room table by herself eating breakfast. And she was sad. And I get it. I would have been sad too. So gave her a big hug and a squeeze. Gave her her Mother's Day card a little bit early. Talked about what we wanted to do that day. And she decided that we, she wanted to go uh, go-karting. There's an indoor go-kart place that uses electric go-karts in Midlothian, Virginia. We had been by there once before and we were going to race, but Missy was a little concerned uh, about her bald head and uh, germs on the helmet. As it turns out, they take care of that. But we decided that we would, uh, she decided that's what she wanted to do. So we went go-karting uh, on Mother's Day. Had a, had a blast. Had a really fun time. Uh, had two of the three kids at home uh, come with us. Afterwards, we tried a pizza place called Mellow Mushroom, which I think is a chain. Uh, I'd heard good things about it. We had never had a chance to eat it before. Typically, you don't drive 50 miles to go eat pizza because even small towns have pizza places. So um, we went to Mellow Mushroom. It was good. It wasn't great. I don't think we'll be back. But uh, yeah, it was all right. And then uh, Tuesday, two days after Mother's Day, Miss E got the coolest present from our oldest daughter. It is a watercolor painting uh, based on a photograph that was taken last summer when uh, we took Miss E to the beach and we had a, a photographer come and take pictures of the family. And so it is a picture of my oldest daughter and Miss E and she painted it herself and it's great. And it was in a very nice frame. And then she made her mom truffles, which is Miss E's favorite candy. And I have to tell you, I think Miss E posted some pictures uh, at Corny Go Farm on Instagram. I was so impressed. I did not get a chance to taste any of these truffles. Uh, Miss E did. Uh, I think there might be one left, but uh, she said they tasted amazing. One of them was peanut butter and jelly. I can't remember what the other one was, but they were works of art. They were so amazing. They weren't just, you know, block chocolate ball, right? I mean, they, they, they had texture. They had color. They were just, they were really cool looking, really, really impressive. And there was obviously a, a obviously a gift that um, came from the heart, took a lot of time, and sincerely meant something. And I'm so glad that Missy e had a chance to get that. So she did have not just a good Mother's Day, 
But I think she uh, she had a, a great reminder a couple of days later. So thanks for that, Aaron. Uh, Dano in uh, Arizona writing in says the Sandcastle crew moved to an older neighborhood. Uh, good thing is the houses are on larger lots and no HOAs. Good for you, Dano. Stay away from the HOA. The house came with a 40-year-old derelict pool, he says. One option is to eradicate the pool is if it were never there. The question then is, what do we do with the land? We're sitting on a third of an acre, so we're not talking corny goat farm scale, but it seems that we could run a few rows of corn and inspired by corny goat farm peppers. Uh, Dano says, honestly, that would never have occurred to me without 40 acres and a fool. Can you point us to recipes? I don't think we run the pest problems that you do there in your hollow here in the desert. And I think that we have a longer growing season. So a win-win for us. Uh, Dano says, it sounds like the process is something along the lines of sanitize everything, puree the peppers, put them in a cool, dark place to ferment. Not much different than brewing beer, except we introduce a specific yeast strain to do the fermentation. Uh, do tell any web links are invited. Um, well, Dano, I tell you what, I don't have Ms. E with me, and I want her to be the one to uh, give you that answer. So the good news is, you start growing peppers, you won't be fermenting them for a few months. So I say go with the pepper plot. I think in the desert, you're right. You're in a, a pretty good spot to grow some uh, good peppers. You should have a great growing season, at least until you get those uh, those cold nights kicking in, right? And then that's going to play hell a little bit with your uh, your peppers, I think. But um, it is an easy fermentation process. I'm just not the expert and I don't want to give you bad advice. So I will hold that off until uh, next week. Uh, Dano says, I do need to look into city ordinances. A couple cities over allows for an underground range on private property. Not sure if this one does. Well, if they don't specifically disallow it, I say it's allowed, Dano. That would be pretty amazing. An underground range. And then maybe peppers growing on top. How about that? David, writing in as well, said, uh, sorry to hear, Missy, that your old treatment stopped working. I hope that your new treatment is still successful. Uh, David writing in with the link to a, a TED Talk describing a, a, a treatment uh, for uh, using electric fields. He says, I realize that sounds sketchy. Um, it, it does a little bit, but whatever, David. It's not like, you know, another wrong with a link. Uh, second link, he says, is to the company's webpage, which lists their ongoing trials, including one for non-small cell lung cancer. I hope this is helpful. I definitely appreciate that, David. And um, we've got about five weeks or so before the first scan, and we'll see if this is working. And if it's not, I don't like to think about it, but if it's not, then we're going to have to start looking for something else. So I appreciate the uh, the links. They may come in handy here at some point in the uh, not too distant future. I hope that I hope that they don't, <laughs> David, but I do appreciate you sending them. So it is probably time for me to uh, start wrapping this up. Uh, I, I did want to say one other thing that I forgot uh, had happened here today. We had our first haying of the year. So the grass in the pasture has grown tall enough that it needed to get cut. Uh, and today was the the day that uh, our neighbor came out and uh, the tractor was up in the pasture and they don't let me drive the tractor. We let them, we let them, you know, they, they mow for us. Uh, and we let them take the hay for the uh, the cattle. It's a great arrangement. I don't have to try to bush hog it myself or anything like that. And 
and the, and the grass goes to uh, to good use. So it's it's always sort of a milestone in the uh, the spring when you get that first haying in and. I, we usually so you get one in May. Probably get another one in uh, probably another six weeks or so, maybe two months, and then it'll slow down. Uh, but we are still right now in the time of year where it is just the the green explosion, uh, and every morning you can you know walk outside and you can see how much everything has grown from the night before. So it's uh, it's kind of cool to pass that uh, that milestone it's it's i guess the next milestones we've gotten to firefly season that that milestone's been reached we've had the first haying that that milestone's now been reached so i think the next milestone is probably going to be the uh ripening of the blackberries it is strawberry season right now but we don't have any strawberries this year so it'll be the ripening of the wild blackberries will be sort of the next milestone on the farm in terms of the progress through the uh, seasons. And I'm looking forward to that. It's always kind of cool to start to pick the berries. We've got a pretty good crop of blueberries shaping up right now. We have to cover them with uh, with some deer netting so the birds can't get to them as easily. But uh, hopefully we'll actually uh, be able to cross that milestone here before long as well. Well, I do appreciate you tuning in to another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool. Thank you so much for uh, being a part of this program and being a part of our lives. Again, the email address, 40acrefool at gmail.com. You want to share anything that's going on in your life? We would love to hear from you. But I also have that question out there of what do you think the future holds for our small towns and rural spaces over the next generation? Are they doomed to demographic demise or... Do you think we can see a turnaround with the help of emerging technologies? We'll talk more about that on the next edition of 40 Acres and the Fool. In the meantime, be safe, have fun, live a little, learn a lot. And in the words of Miss E, make stuff. And we'll talk to you soon here on Blaze Podcast Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. 